Welcome to The Heightening, a place for those who are answering the call of God to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. We are women who are being elevated to a level of intentionality and empowerment to lead the life we were created to live. Please welcome our host, Yolanda Caldwell. Good morning, ladies of The Heightening. I am so happy that you're joining us today. I am so excited to have with me the Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder of Civic Eagle, Ms. Yemi Arawumi. Yemi and I have known each other for a number of years, and I am so humbled that she has agreed to have this conversation with us today. She has over 10 years of experience at the intersection of product design, public policy, and strategic innovation. She's worked with startups, nonprofits, universities, small business owners, and corporations to develop strong brand identities and build user-focused digital experiences. She's going to talk to us today a little bit about her journey to entrepreneurship. Welcome, Yemi. Hey, Yolanda. How are you? I am well. I am well, and I'm so excited to have you with us this morning. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, to chat with you. Great. So I share just a little bit about who you are and what you're currently doing, but that's not where you started. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So thank you for the introduction. Um, I, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I guess I stumbled in, you could say I stumbled into entrepreneurship. I think, you know, growing up, I, I definitely saw myself in a more um, traditional career like law. So I studied to become a lawyer. I studied political science, uh, went the pre-law route. I actually decided I did not want to go through law school. And so I actually pivoted um, my education towards public policy and to grad school for my master's in public administration. I knew that I always enjoyed a... I, I loved studying topics related to legislation and, and to law. I enjoyed um, understanding more about policy and how it impacts people and communities. And so I found a career there at first at the state legislature working as a policy analyst. And I, I guess I stumbled into entrepreneurship around that time as well. And I didn't know it. I think it really just came out of a natural interest in wanting to learn new things and and then make money out of it, right? Like uh, I've always enjoyed I've been a natural, like, you know, observer and like lifelong learning has always been a major part of my life and, and my values. So I picked up a camera in, what was that? Maybe around 20, 2014 or so, 2013. Okay. And I started my photography business. So that was my first, I guess, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial venture. And it really stemmed from a passion for photography and a skill in it. And then leveraging that in a way to make money and to be able to create a pathway for myself to like excel and into and to grow further into photography. And so photography took me into design and then design took me into product design. And so now as an entrepreneur, I like to call myself a product designer and it really encompasses a mixture of a couple of different things that I'm interested in, um, okay. UI, UX. Yeah, so I'll list a couple of those. It's it's kind of, I don't think there's like one specific definition for product design, or rather there might be different types of product designers that you'll see out there. But I really have skills around visual design and graphic design, UX and product. So that's like building technology, building 
the interface and the screens that are used in software or um, app. And then I extended as well into brand marketing and brand design. So I worked with, in the past, I've worked with small business owners to design logos and branding, their um, initial websites and landing pages. Right now, I work with a, a company that I co-founded called Civic Eagle, and it's a company that really sits at the intersection of like my past experience in policy and politics, as well as like my, you know, uh, passion for design and skills and, and like innovation technology. So yeah, it's kind of a summary of, of my entrepreneurial experience, yeah. Listen, that is amazing. I, I like the way how you threaded your interests. You began with an interest in photography and using some of your creative skills and you turned that into design. And then you then explored policy because you wanted to be a lawyer. So you then came back to policy and how you've tied all of those things together into Civic Eagle. But I have a, I want to go back a little bit. When you first got started with entrepreneurship, I know a lot of our listeners are interested in entrepreneurship, looking to turn a hobby that they have into a business. How did, how was your first foray when you became a photographer? What, what was that like? <laughs> oh yeah, what was that like? Um, I will want to say, I do want to say that entrepreneurship can, can look different ways. Like it can be shaped in different ways. You know, I think we there's an entrepreneurial part of us when it comes to like taking care of ourselves like we are our own bosses like we manage our own time and what we do with it and so I think I've always been very particular about how I spent my time like I knew that investing in my education was worthwhile I knew that investing in learning certain things that fed me, that gave me like energy, that gave me, that excited me. I knew that that was the place to put more of my time and energy. So I think starting out, I had very like modest and humble expectations. I did not expect to open a, a photography business and become a professional photographer, a professional wedding photographer at that. I really, you know, I bought a camera. I was pursuing a passion and interest and I was curious about what I could do with the camera. When I discovered that I had skills in it, I then of course, you know, the smart person that I am, I'm going to leverage this into, you know, into a business. And, and I say that, you know, I was smart enough to know that I wanted to do this is that the way I the reason I say it that way is because just because you are passionate about something does not mean you have to make money off of it, right? You also have to discern what, you know, how you want to make money, the, the terms you make money on, you know, and that's, again, goes back to the different definitions of entrepreneurship, like different entrepreneurs build and make money in different ways. And so being an entrepreneur, it really varies on like the method you use for that, right? So photography is a service-driven business. And actually, to be honest, after a certain amount of time, after a certain amount of years, I decided that I didn't want to make money that way. It, it was not a scalable, it was not for me, but there's plenty, there's thousands, millions of wedding, you know, photographers that decide to make money that way. So again, mm -hmm. it really just depends on, you know, what you're interested in. I think for me, it was just a great experience to learn how to, like how business is done. I think it really, you know, working on a, on a service-based, in a, in a service-based business, like photography or service design or consulting, you know, anything where you're serving other people, you realize the, like the importance of marketing or, or the importance of like how to generate 
new leads or new customers. And so that experience just really taught me like the psychology of buyers, right? Understanding what will convince someone, how many steps it takes to convince someone to purchase your service or your product. It exposed me to like the creative side of of marketing. And so that's what I, that's how I got to graphic design was that like, I had to design my own marketing. I had to design my own flyers and, and promotions and fly and like Facebook posts, you know, and copywriting, all those things that are ancillary to photography, like has nothing to do with photography, but everything to do with photography business. And so I then learned that like my interest actually was more in the design side, like the graphic design side. And so I kind of pivoted my photography business into a photography and design studio. And again, going back to like, you know, being an entrepreneur is like what you make it, like it's it's the way you decide to make your money. You know, I decided to work with a certain type of clientele, like certain types of clients, certain types of projects. I worked a lot with small business owners, particularly black women, particularly women who wanted to launch a new website for their um, portfolio women who needed to have a headshot to put on their new website and so it just kind of all formed together and like being an entrepreneur just really allows you to decide how you want to make money it's still hard and challenging and (laughs) you may learn over time that I actually don't like making money this way but you won't learn until you try it out and so I I eventually learned that photography wasn't going to be my primary means of making money and eventually it it that's when I learned a lot more about the startup and tech industry and how entrepreneurship can look, what, what that looks like from that angle, from that um, framework and model. It's very interesting when you talk about your experience, there are some, some takeaways that are very valuable, I believe. One is how you own your skills. You spoke very positively of what you have the ability to do and how you're able to do it and what you wanted and what you were willing to do in terms of, well, I wanted to work these type of hours or yes, I have this skill and I have this ability, but that's not how I wanted to make money. And I want to encourage our listeners to take that away from this conversation that as a woman who owns her skill and is unapologetic about your abilities and your smarts, your intellect. That is encouraging um, that you are not, that you're taking a positive look at what you bring to the table and you, you value who you are. So I, I applaud you for that. That is um, something that I believe a lot of young women need to understand that they have a skill and they have a talent and they have the ability to decide how to use that skill and talent and where to use that skill and talent. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. There was another part that you shared that was, I believe, is very important for everyone to understand is how you took every step as a learning experience. Every opportunity, you walked away with something new, a new skill. You you leveled up every time you engaged with one of your um, ideas or whether it was educational or whether it was business related, you took something from each one of those to build a strong foundation to what you're doing now. Did Was that planned? Is that just how you are, how, you, how you're built to know how to take information and build that foundation or to build your own stairwell? That's a really good question. You know, I don't, I definitely did not plan my career in the sense of like, you know, it was, this was not on a 10 year plan anywhere for me. And I'm a type of person to like, 
to make a 10-year plan, right? Like, so when I was in high school or in college or whenever I sat down and did like resolutions or goal setting, I always, I think I've always been kind of like good at a lot of different things or interested in a lot of different things rather and, and not necessarily decisive on what I wanted to do, right? Like even when I went to college, my senior year in high school, junior year in high school, I, I you know, we had to decide, do I want to go down law or do I want to go down medicine path or engineering, right? I'm, I have a Nigerian background. My parents are Nigerian. So it was those three options were really what were available to me. I just so happened to have a really strong interest in law, but you know, my grades could have gotten me in with like, you know, on a more like science or engineering background major rather. Mm-hmm. So I had to say that like, I didn't plan this and I am a planner, but what I think I, what I, what you could have forecasted for myself is the fact that I, like you spoke to, like I knew what my skills were, um, and part of my skill set is like uh, deciphering what is for me and what's not for me, maybe. Maybe that's a skill. I think I'm very much, when people ask me about, you know, taking the risk to start a business, and this was maybe like five or six years ago, I would say like things around the sentiment of like, it's equally as important to know what you don't want to do as it is to know what you do want to do. So even though I do not know what I want to do 100%, like I might be like 75% sure, 85% sure. I'm like 100% sure what I do not want to do, right? And so even a failure can be like a step closer to my goal because I tried it and (laughs) decided I didn't want to do it. And it is equally as valuable of an experience as something where I discovered I do enjoy doing it. So part of that though is, you know, I know I have the privilege to say that like I did feel comfortable falling back on my degrees or my past job experience. Like when I took the risk to leave Albany and leave a government state job with like secure benefits and retirement, you know, the kind of job that my parents wanted for me and left their native country for me to have. When I made the decision to leave Albany and go to New York City to become a designer, the, the one thing I could always say to them was that even if it doesn't work out, like I still have my degrees and I still have my, you know, X amount of years on my resume. And if it doesn't work out, I'll, you know, I have a plan B. You know, I think I've, there's all, uh, I guess I've always had a plan B. I think that's always, and and, and that plan B is um, usually falls back on an experience that I learned from before, right? So it is a bit of a stepping stone, like one experience leads to another, but that stepping stone, it doesn't just like disappear after you step off it. Like I can still go back to it if need be. And I, maybe I take a different path the next time I try to go up this step or this up this hill you know and so I would say I pursued my passions I I decided I said yes to things that I wanted to say yes to and no to things I didn't want to do and then I think on top of that you know there is this I think there is like a energy like a universal energy this like divine energy that is pointing in the right direction because um, I am matching the opportunity with my skill set right or my preparation with the opportunity as people like to define success right like I'm doing these things I'm studying these things and opportunities appear and so I definitely feel there is some sort of like energy when you realize you cut out the noise you cut out the expectations of your past selves of your you know family or friends and I I say I, I understand I understand my privilege in being able to do so but it's really the only thing that I can say makes sense or is consistent. Like I never would have expected that I would design technology. I remember my parents took me to a, a, like an engineering summer camp when I was in like middle school and like, I did not like it. But 
to look back now and be like, oh, you know, there's actually a program at this school that I went to when I was in middle school for summer camp that I actually do want to take now, you know, I know it's like a full, a it's full circle in a lot of ways. There was something that you talked about when you said expectations and to step into who you are and into your full potential, you have to step away from the expectations of others. And that is very powerful. I believe a lot of people are living out their lives based on the expectations of others. They don't want to let down someone or disappoint someone. So they're taking a career or they're working, you know, in an area that makes a parent proud, um, gives the parent an opportunity to promote what it is that they do. So it is a very powerful testament And it's very powerful for our listeners to hear that when you said, my yes is my yes and my no is my no, and you stepped away from expectations, I think that's a very empowering point, um, particularly for women, um, to be able to to stand in their truth. And yeah, and I never I never felt like I had to fight expectations per se. I, I think I learned how to communicate them better. Like how to communicate what I wanted better, what I didn't want. My parents always, you know, have been proud of me and like I've they never really had to force me to like focus on my academics or like <laughs> set my own goals, you know. Like I think I, I set my own goals and because I was setting my own goals, I, I think I had to get into the habit of having to communicate with those words when my parents had questions or when somebody had a doubt or like didn't understand. So, um, and a lot of that comes from like the research of like, what is like, our expectations are limited by what we know. Uh, I think the thing about expectations is like, we, we're limited, our expectations are limited by what we know, like we can't expect more beyond what we're familiar with a lot of times or like what's in our capacity to understand. And um, I think I, you know, I've always been curious about the world and I I think curiosity about like how other people live, what other people do, what other jobs are out there, what other opportunities are out there. I was really good at discovering like which roles or which jobs, um, you know, could be for me. It's not like actually even my, in my journey, I would say, you know, post-grad school, I had an opportunity to really figure out what area of like creativity and like public sector or like impact work I could do. I considered things such as like foreign service, you know, working at an NGO, um, being an NGO photographer, um, doing social media management at, you know, a big NGO or uh, international agency that did social, like public work. And, And I think ultimately it comes down to having like a set of values that you know you want to like spend your time on like I, I regardless of where my career ended up I think there would have been certain um, common uh, commonalities or I would have been some in something innovative something creative and then something that had impact and just knowing those values and we had to communicate them and, and be flexible to opportunities I think is really how I've been able to stumble into this career that I have now I think your original question was like was there a plan and um <laughs> Yes. Um, there, I guess there, the answer is no in the, in the short in the short form. So you mentioned three things: creative, innovative, and impact. And I believe those 
adjectives describe what you're doing at Civic Eagle. So tell us about this company you co-founded. Yeah, cool. Civic Eagle, we're a startup tech company and we build software for legislative affairs teams, government relations teams, lobbyists, and advocacy organizations. So our software, what it does is it helps these professionals in their organizations or companies with tracking state legislation, being able to work on it. So, you know, part of the policy process is discovering bills, but then, you know, having to do your work on it, you know, read the bill text, negotiate the terms, communicate it with your colleagues, um, and come up with a plan for, for lobbying or for advocacy. So we're in what you would call the B2B software space, B2B SaaS business to business. Yeah. And so we started our company as actually as a business to consumer company, B2C. It was initially our product was a mobile app. Um, it was something that you could download in, a, in an app store and it would help connect you with information about legislators. So people, you know, who are in elected positions and we really, and this is around 2014 and 2015 that we had come up with this app and we really were just excited to get everyday people engage with politics and engaged with civic topics to communicate their opinions about things that are happening in their communities. And so at that time I had, you know, been coming off of grad school and working at the legislature and my business partner, who was a friend of mine, had the idea for the app. And so he came to me as someone who has experience in politics and understanding the political process. He asked me to join the team and help with the, I guess, the subject matter expertise of it all, right? The kind of like, how does this even, like, if we were to build this app, what, what is needed and, and, and things like that. And so as we were working on that initial app, we would have meetings, we would have meetings once a week, and we had outsourced the design and engineering of the app to uh, a dev shop, I think over in India. Um, and when we got the app design back, I didn't like it. And I really just understood. <laughs> I didn't at the time know what UX design was. I didn't know what, like how to design a mobile app. But what I did know was that I used all the apps on my iPhone at the time that I had. It probably was like an iPhone 6 or something. And I was able to learn from the experience that I had with other technology tools to be like, this is what ours should look like. And in the process of like under like researching that so it took a lot of work to research and, and google searches to be like how to design an app or um, looking up ui guides or ux guides or templates from other companies so all this like independent research i was doing led to me teaching myself how to become an app designer and then i knew from there that i needed to be able to like have a more formal experience learn from a more formal organization like how to design apps and so I leveraged the little small portfolio that I had into job opportunities. So I learned product design through on-the-job experiences, all while we kind of just like worked on Civic Eagle on nights and weekends. And so, yeah, so the, at the time we had a, uh, four of us working on Civic Eagle on nights and weekends. We all had full-time jobs. So I was in New York City at the time learning how to be a more formal designer. And we were working on Civic Eagle, building the app and marketing it and sharing it with friends and family who liked the idea a lot, but they weren't using the app a lot. And we really had to go back to the drawing board about, you know, around like who are our early users? Like who are the people that are going to be most excited about an app like this? Who are the people that are going to be most excited to share 
an app like this. And that investigation process really is what catalyzed us into pivoting our product into something different, which is what it is today. So we really realized that there is a need for professionals in the space to be able to also understand policy better. Um, they don't have an easy time either with um, translating what a bill says into like real terms for communities. So we started playing with this new product idea. Um, we pitched it at a, um, at a, what would you call it? A kind of a summit. Um, Google for Startups had sponsored it. We applied and we um, were accepted as like one of 10 companies um, for, you know, founded a, one of 10 companies who are founded by black founders to come down for a week of learning about, you know, startup growth and how to um, validate a business idea, essentially. Um, we pitched our idea and that's when we won our first um, investment, you could say. Um, it was our first uh, like invest equity um, investment from a, um, angel investor and so that really got us it validated our idea idea that this not only was a good um business idea but also like it could be a real business and that was the issue that we had with our first app our first app was a good idea but it wasn't a, a good business like there was no there wasn't an easy uh, there wasn't a convenient or um really like achievable business model that would generate us revenue um, in a kind of venture backable way, in a way that would entice um, venture capitalists to invest in our company. But once we pitched, once we switched to a B2B software where you can start charging a monthly subscription fee for your service, or once you can start selling into bigger companies, um, you can make revenue and it's a, um, you know, and it just, it just became a lot more, it made a lot more sense. Um, so I would say our first app was our failure, right? And like, talk about failure, doing things that you don't, knowing things that don't work. I mean, that's, that lesson was major for us. And it, and it, it completely changed our trajectory. Like if we hadn't had that failure, um, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have learned, you know, all the different components that it actually takes to um, be a venture backable um, tech company. Um, yeah, so right now, what does Civic Google do? We provide this software. We work um, really closely with really cool um, organizations and companies who are really into, um, are really interested in, in helping communities and um, also advocating for policy um, that impacts, you know, people at scale. So going back to our original vision of like changing people's relationship to policy, we're doing this and we get to do it at scale because our partners and advocate organizations are able to spread the work out. That's amazing. Uh, one of the things you mentioned is angel investors. And I'm sure a couple of our listeners would love to know more about what that is and what that looks like. And you know, as a black woman competing or pitching for a competition, um, how did it feel to win <laughs> with some investment? Yeah, um, it felt great to um, be validated in that regard, right? Um, we all know the statistics that um, founders of color disproportionately 
get yes. funding for their ideas. Um, and so your question, I, it's, there's multiple parts to it. I would say like first part is, you know, um, what does it take to be, understanding what it takes to be a venture backable business and, and what's yeah. the need of having, um, event, uh, having investors. So every, every company, every business idea is gonna need some capital, some money to, to launch, right? You need to pay for employees or products or even, you know, um, the materials for your products, marketing, all these things. Um, and so you can get investment, you can get funding for your business in a variety of ways. You can get grants, you know, free money. You can um, get loans from banks. You can crowdfund. Um, you can form a cooperative and have people pitch in and, and contribute. Venture financing is a very particular type of financing for a particular type of business that's going to see particular returns within a particular time period. Um, so, like, there, you know, it's, and it's, and that's I think, and I try to be specific about that because there's a lot of content online about raising money and founding a company. Um, but I don't think there's enough conversation about what is the definition of this investment and like what the investors expect out of it. And it, it's, it is particular, they want particular results within a particular time frame, um, in, you know, related to the amount of money they put into your company. So yeah. um, I think starting out, we had no idea that we necessarily wanted to be venture backed or that we needed that capital in order to um, to operate the business. Um, looking at the, our current business model now, you know, we have to, um, there's a process for us to ingest data that's used in our platform and there's um, a process needed to actually build the platform and design the platform and market it. And we put all those costs together, we see that we need a lot of money to get this done. And there's like a a, you know, a long process of putting together a financial model. So that's like the second thing you really need to do is like, what is the financial model of your business? How do you make money? What are the inputs that go into making money for your business? If those inputs, you know, are modest enough where you don't need venture backed money, then don't take the, the don't take the venture capital, right? Because venture capital isn't free money. It's, it is someone taking ownership in your business, um, you know, in exchange for that equity. So I'm sorry, in exchange for that funding. So having a strong financial model that really maps out like, oh, we actually need hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this thing work. So let's do this. Oh, we actually need millions in order to get to this milestone or this, you know, um, part of our business growth. And so um, it's a very interesting process. I've learned a lot about it. Um, I don't know if you meant, if you noticed when I was talking about all the different paths I could have gone down as a kid, like, you know, law, doctor, you know, finance was not one of them. Um, <laughs> I do not like accounting. I do not like um, Excel, <laughs> you know, um, when I was in my master's program, we had to do some like financial modeling courses, yeah. but like, not my forte, but I've had to learn so much about um, the process of like venture financing and how business gets funded and how it stays afloat. Um, and at the end of the day, there's just so many different ways you can fund a business. And I think, you know, unfortunately we like, yes, 
um, founders of color, women founders do not get nearly as much funding for their ideas and even for their formal, like their actual businesses, right? And I think part of it is, I'm, I'm learning more and more that venture financing is, is kind of like gambling essentially. And so yeah. the people who have the money gamble on things that they consider to be sure bets and what they consider to be sure bets don't often look like people like me, um, you know, and, and people that, you know, their short bets are people that uh, are just historically like have gotten the money and have gotten the large exits, you know, Facebooks and Googles and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it is, you know, very disproportionate, but at the end of the day, it is a gamble. And so you can't put too much stock into whether or not you make, get the money or you don't get them invested, you know, like, the people that hold the purse strings, they don't have that much power, to be honest. Like, I, and I, at least that's my personal opinion. I know mm -hmm. that, like, for a company that is, like, you know, desperate for some sort of way to stay alive, sure, like, it means so much more. But honestly, part of it is like a psychological game of just understanding the rules of the game, who are the key players of the game. Um, it's a lot more than just thinking like I have a good idea and therefore I should have money for it. You know, it, it's, it's very, it can be very political. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Um, but it's, it's, it's been, um, another thing where I've had to, you know, learn and just be interested in learning more and more about it. And it's, it's been cool. So I'm going to call you a trailblazer. Um, and I believe that your path that you're creating. And I thank you for sharing your story um, with, with me and our listeners, my listeners, is because I think you are removing the veil. Uh, a lot of people want success. A lot of people want to have that resume, to have that bio um, that says that they're venture backed, but it's more than what you desire. It's the work that goes into it. It's being able to look at opportunities as stepping stones. I know you called your first part a failure, but that was, it wasn't a failure because it worked. It worked to open the door to the next for you. Um, and it served its purpose. It was seed. It was seed for what it is that you're doing now. And I believe a lot of women, particularly now with COVID, uh, where jobs are shifting and changing and people need to make different decisions about how they're making money or how they're spending their time, your story is a testament to what to do next, how mm -hmm. to take what you have and create your next. And I wanna thank you for sharing with us and being a model of how to grow and develop in every single stage. Thank you. Thank it's you so much. I really appreciate how you put that. I think that's all I aspire to do is just take the next step is there's always a knowing that there's not necessarily a wrong step, you know, they just take the next one. Um, next one. Yeah. It's the next one. And the other part, I believe that um, 
makes you successful is you're open. You're open to God's direction. Your your discernment is high. You're centered. And for anyone who's listening, if if you're confused and you're not sure what to do next or how you're going to get out of this, I encourage you to become centered. Um, take some time to center yourself and allow yourself to to hear. Uh, Yemi's a wonderful example of someone who listens. She listens and she's not afraid of the next step. And even if she is afraid, she did it anyway. You did it anyway. And, mm -hmm. and that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, now, I'm going to ask the question and you could tell me if, I, if I'm getting too personal, but um, how much venture capital have you raised? <laughs> we raised a little bit over two million so far um, over the past ooh, like three-ish years or so. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, been, it's been great. It's been it's been a journey for sure because we know that every bit of that two million was like is for something. I think a lot of the time mm -hmm. people get the venture bug. Um, they want to raise as much money as they can just so they can hoard it and just, you know, save it for a rainy day. And like, sure, you want to be like, you know, cautious of that. But, um, you know, it was hard for us to get that two million. It took us a lot of years, a lot more years and months rather than some other companies run by mm -hmm. white men. And, um, and so, yeah, we don't take it for granted at all. And we try to you know, I, I definitely, like, I really appreciate, like, what you mentioned, you know, as, you know, being a, a trailblazer and, um, you know, role model. It's really, I struggle a lot with, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> accepting that. And then even for my company, you know, it, it, it takes a while for me to really accept that as, like, what we, our company is doing. Um, and I forgot to mention, I, I neglected to mention that our founding team was founded by four Black people, two women and two Black men, two Black women and two Black men. And um, our team is very diverse to this day. Uh, we're like 60% like women uh, team. Um, we're a, a team of 11 right now. Okay. And so um, I forget how significant, not that I forget how significant it is. I, I just think that um, we, we could, I could do more to talk about it more and, and, um, the 2 million has been great. And I know that like, we have so much more we want to accomplish with our company, with our product and with our team and our, and our company overall. Um, and I, I sometimes I forget how much we've raised or I forget how much we've been through <laughs> to come here, but it's been, it's been awesome so far. And I think that's another testament to the amazing businesswoman that you are, that you're humble and you are able to stay focused on uh, what's important. And that's, that's going to continue to take you far and continue to take you to your next step, your next step. And um, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. I know that it's an inspiration to to other women as they think about what they're going to do next as a result of this pandemic, 
how they are going to use their experience, their education, how they're going to use their ideas uh, to move forward. You left us with a lot of things to think about and to consider. Um, particularly, you know, every idea is not a good business idea. Um, you shared with us how to take a hobby and make it profitable as a business, yet own the fact that you can change your mind. You can mm -hmm. change your mind and say, that was great for that season, but I'm in a new season. And you talked a little bit about expectations um, and stepping away from others' expectations, but honoring your own expectations and letting your yes be your yes and your no be your no. You gave us so much today. <laughs> and I am, I'm extremely grateful um, to bear witness to your story. And I truly appreciate you saying yes to me and mm -hmm. spending your, your time sharing your story. Is there any one last thing you wanna share? Oh, well, I'll say thank you again. Thank you, thank you again for pulling it out of me because I probably would not have, you know, um, you know, reached out to do a podcast and to and to talk and share my story. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to, to share my experience. Um, and I'd be happy to follow up with any of your listeners. Um, so feel free to pass on my email address to anyone who reaches out. Um, and I would just say, I think, you, you know, you summarize all the great points. I, you know, my advice really was kind of to your point is like, take the next step. Um, I know this you know, this time period in, in human history is so challenging right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't take for granted anyone's pain and suffering right now um, at all. Um, but I, I do think there is a unique freshness to this time period. There's a unique opportunity for, for folks to, um, to challenge themselves to do something different. Um, I, I, you know, we spoke a little bit to spirituality a bit earlier, but like, what else is this time for, but to kind of, you know, start fresh or to challenge our notions of, of and expectations of success. So um, yeah, I'm happy to, to chat with anyone, any of your listeners, um, you know, outside of this, but um, thank you again for having me. Thank you, Yemi. I truly appreciate it. Ladies of the Heightening, thank you so much for tuning in and I am so pleased and honored to have the opportunity to introduce you to Yimmy. She is a trailblazer. She is a role model. She is a young woman that is on the rise. Remember that name. You'll hear it again. Thank you again, ladies, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Yolanda. Thank you for joining us today. Please visit us at www.theheightening.com.